I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. An injection can make people feel markedly better in 10, 15 minutes, and it could last for years. It seems to reset the nervous system, fight and flight nervous system to before trauma state. There's no such thing as mental illness, okay? It is a lie, and it's a very dangerous lie because it's highly stigmatizing. Say you had a, like Dr. Jamie, Lebowski, if you yeah. don't mind, Jamie, let, let, let's not go there. I well, think well, we okay, okay. well here, but so hold on. So let, let me just tell you my perspective. There is emotional trauma that I understand. There's nothing else that exists on earth that is as close to transformational or that can give someone that much boost mm. in such a short period of time. And so it's something that people should always do first. What if someone you knew or you yourself had PTSD that has been making every single day of your life extremely miserable for years? And what if there were a 15-minute procedure through a two injections that would reset your sympathetic nervous system and essentially cure you of PTSD in 15 minutes? You'd want to learn a little bit more, wouldn't you? Well, that's the topic of today's episode with Dr. Eugene Lipov, who is a renowned board-certified pain specialist and inventor of the Stellet Ganglion Block. And I'm also joined by Jamie Mustard, who is an artist and um, a strategist and also the recipient of this procedure. You know, the nervous system can get blocked when we have trauma through car accidents or just through childhood neglect, you know, or COVID or the COVID response. And when you are stuck in fight or flight, you are stuck in a place of hyper arousal, which can give you pain. It can give you depression. It can give you anxiety. It can mess with your sleep. And apparently this injection in these two little spots on both sides of your neck can actually cure your PTSD. And there's now uh, an idea that PTSD is not actually a thing, that it's not a disorder, but an injury. And we talk all about it on this first part of the two-part episode with Dr. Lipov and Jamie Mustard. And in this in this episode, we talk about uh, what is allostatic load? What is it to be walking around with high levels of stress that lead to other physical issues. We talk about the comparison between PTSD and PTSI, disorder versus injury. Just really incredible cutting edge science. And there's clinics popping up all over the United States where they will do this procedure. Uh, I, I am always skeptical of stuff like this. I wanna not only hear from the people who are proponents of it, but I also wanna ask hard questions. You know, you may be familiar with me asking this question of guests frequently, which is, what do the haters say? And um, so I'm curious what you think about this because this could be a game changer for so many people in their life. Uh, I can't wait to share this with you. As always, everybody, if you please, if, if you please, if you would, make today the day where you subscribe to this podcast and make today be the day where you write a very short review with a five stars on wherever you listen to this podcast. It means it means a lot to me personally. I read every single one, all the good and the bad, and it also really helps this podcast get out to more and more people. For those of you who have been listening to years and year, for years and years, please drop me a five-star and a short review. You can learn more at seanmccormick.com about what I do as a coach, and you can follow me at Instagram at realseanmccormick. Without, late, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Eugene Lipov and Jamie Mustard. 
Dean Lipov and Jamie Mustard. Welcome to the Optimal Performance, gentlemen. Thank you for having so, us. Th this is cool because I don't usually do two people at once. So this is going to be interesting. I, I think we should just start with the very, very fundamental basics to get people's heads wrapped around this idea. If you would please, and this is not a fair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like you're explaining it to an intelligent third grader, how would you describe dual sympathetic reset procedure? I mean, you want me to tee you up or you want to do this one? I, I, I think I'll do it. So if you look at, I'm an anesthesiologist, so my job is to do various type of injections. So if you look at the name of the book that Jamie, I think, and I came up with, um, the invisible machine, the invisible machine stands for sympathetic nervous systems, fight and flight nerves. So the way they're organized is they come together in a neck and go up to the brain. Uh, but what happens is if you have severe enough of trauma, it activates fight and flight nerves and gets stuck in that position. So when you do a dual sympathetic reset, which is injection of two ganglion, which is the nerves in the neck that eventually up, go to the brain, it seems to reset the nervous system, fight and flight nervous system to before trauma state. So before the Apple incident. So when you can do that, an injection can make people feel markedly better in 10, 15 minutes, and it could last for years because besides the reset, it also does another thing. It can bring back the nerve fibers to the way they're supposed to be. So there are not too many of them. Yeah, so I could kind of give it like, you know, that's a really good, you know, actually third grade scientific example. I could kind of give it, I could put it in a cultural context if you want. Please. Okay. So you have to look, look at it in terms of what happens if you're running from a tiger, right? Or you have some, uh, there's two things that cause the nervous system to get jerked into fight or flight mode. Okay. One would be blunt force trauma. So some just, you, you crash your car, somebody dies, a sexual assault, you know, uh, they're doing, um, Dr. Lipov is the innovator of this procedure, the inventor of this procedure. And the military is probably doing about 15 to 20,000 of these a year. It's been on Rogan. It's been on 60 Minutes. It's been on, he's been on CBS this morning. He was a regular guest on the doctor show. So it's out there, but it's always associated with the extreme. What we're trying to do with this book is to bring it to the every person. You can get this. So one thing that causes it is blunt force trauma. And we can talk about that. But the other thing that causes it is prolonged allostatic load, carrying chronic stress too long. So I've started to think, I keep thinking that upwards of 40, 50% of the US and global population could have this physical injury on, in their body, which you can see on a brain scan. And most of them don't even associate with trauma. They just know they feel uncomfortable. Okay. So what happens is, I think the more common cause is chronic stress because this is the world we're living in can trip this thing. Distant parents can trip this thing. Uh, your, fa your father or your mother needling or you or not giving you enough physical touch as a child can trip this thing, okay? So chronic allostatic load um, can, can cause it. We'll get into the symptoms later, but you have to think of it in the most three-year-old sense. It was what would happen if you were not three-year-old, third grader, <laughs> if you're a third grader, uh, if you're walking through a jungle, a tiger-infested jungle in South America 2,000 years ago and you're a native and a tiger jumps out, okay? Um, 
you're going to, your body, your, your amygdala is going to send a signal to these ganglion nerves in your neck. And that's what jerks you into action. And that's what causes you to either run, uh, you know, like to flight or fight the tiger. Okay. And so what happens is if that um, event is too overwhelming, as in war or a sexual assault, or you carry chronic stress too long, um, normally if you, you know, you're, you're, we're designed to live in that state for about 30 to 90 seconds and we either kill the tiger or we get away from the tiger. But if, if you carry stress too long, even way less stress, or um, the, the, the situation is just too overwhelming, as I said, in a sexual assault or in war, your buddy gets his head blown off in front of you. The, um, that, the fight or flight system, you, you know, if you normally, if like you almost crash your car or if you almost slip on a mountain, you'd get that same feeling that you would get in war or if you were being assaulted. But four or five hours later, you kind of come back down to baseline. Well, if, if you carry stress too long, me, medium stress, like death by a thousand cuts, or you have a, um, a traumatic experience that's really overwhelming, the fight or flight system gets stuck in fight or flight, hmm. telling your brain 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, that your life is under threat. So you hmm. see this myriad, this panoply of array of, physical, of, uh, of what we think are psychological um, uh, symptoms that we, the place, way we feel that, uh, that we think is psychological or disorder, but it's actually a physical injury to the body. And you can see it on a brain scan. I, I, I think it's everybody, uh, you know, I, I, all of us, um, and I have done enough podcasts and have coached enough people. Obviously I'm not a clinical doctor. I'm not prescribing, you know, SSRIs, but over the course of the last three years with, uh, with the COVID shenanigans, we're, we're all still, I think, reeling, um, you know, trying to put our, figure out what's real and what's not, what to believe and what's not, who's sick, who's not. Should I mask? Should I not? Should I jab? Should I not? Can I hug my loved ones? I think that all of us are there. And, and so I understand the need and the demand for, uh, for innovative treatments like this that are outside of the box, because I think even above and beyond the trauma that we all have been, you know, sort of raked through over the last couple of years, we're also exposed, right? We're exposed to more information in a day than our great grandparents were in uh, a lifetime, a, a lifetime, right? And so we're overloaded and overstimulated. And we do carry it along with it. And we're not taught skills for meditation or, you know, EFT and tapping or, in, you know, in my background, I started a, a chain of flotation therapy centers where a major part of, of our marketing was parasympathetic response versus sympathetic response, giving your, you know, the research showing a, a reduction in, uh, in the sympathetic response, a quieting of the default mode network by laying in Epsom salt water. So I'm on board. I'm just curious, <laughs> doctor, how did you find out? Like, maybe if I inject here and here, this might help. What, how, how did you get there? All right. That, that's a totally fair question. By the way, I, I am very impressed with your understanding of sympathetic, parasympathetic mix and water. We could talk about that, but uh, so I, I always like to give a direct answer, right? So the answer is this. So uh, so 
I've been doing pain medicine since 1987. So the first time I did stellar ganglion block was without guidance. Anyway, so we were doing it for CRPX, complex regional pain syndrome, which is burning of the hand. Hmm. So that's that's been like that for at least 50 years. So it's pretty standard. Somebody comes in, we do the injection, pain goes away. So then in early 2000s, I had a patient that I took care of her neck pain, and then she had hot flashes. You know, there's menopausal-related hot flashes. So I sent her my brother, who's a brilliant doctor, much smarter than I am. And basically, I said, you know, it's like, take care of the hot flashes. I mean, I don't do hot flashes. I'm a pain guy. So he goes, he tried and everything failed. He goes, hey, you know, you do this block for hand sweats. Why don't you do it for the whole body sweats? I'm like, nah, I don't think it's going to work. He said, how do you know that? I said, I don't know that. But anyway, I did the procedure. It worked really well. And then uh, we published the paper together on number of women, which worked really well. And I frankly, I was surprised. And then Chicago Tribune or another so Chicago Tribune came by. Anyway, so they they said the results were good, but you don't know how it works. So you shouldn't really be doing it. And they put a lot of pressure on me, Shelby, that I was doing the wrong thing. So uh, what I was trying to understand is how does that work? How does the stellar ganglion block has been around forever work for half flushes because it's never been reported. And the first time stellar ganglion block was 1925. My father was born in 1925. So <clears throat> with that, I read a lot of articles. So one of them was from Finland where they were trying to take care of hand sweats. And the way they did it was surgery, percutaneous surgery. They would put a trocar, like a tube in the chest, move the lung out of the way, and clip T2 sympathetic fibers right here, which is, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty invasive procedure. And they were trying to get rid of hand sweats. And the hand sweats went away, but PTSD went away. I was like, well, that makes no sense. I've never heard of that. So if then I looked at the anatomy, it turns out the T2 ganglion is the highest sympathetic ganglion in the chest. Then it goes up to T1, C7, which is up here. It's called stellar ganglion because it looks like a sun. And you're referring when you say T and C, Dr. Lepop, you're referring to the vertebra, like where it is in the body? Thoracic, yeah. Okay. So thoracic is T2, C is cervical. Thank okay. you. Anyway, so then I looked up more anatomy. It's like, turns out there is a direct connection from stellar to the brain. It was like, I nobody told me that. It was like, it was lost somewhere on the, you know, archives. So then I called up my brother and I said, hey, I think it's going to work for, hot, for PTSD besides hot flashes. So send me a patient. So he had a patient that was abused during a robbery. Two months after the robbery, he was on his way to be admitted to psychiatric ward. So he took a little bypass stop by my office. I did the injection. He said, I'm fine, Doc. And he did fine. And that led to the first publication, 2008. Wow. Crazy. Wow. I'd like to comment something on something, Sean. I kind of agreed with everything that you said earlier, except one thing. Okay. okay. Um, you said it was out of the box, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess it's out of the box in terms of the mainstream society, but it's not out of the box from the viewpoint of the view of, it is the fundamental switch in the body that um, deter that determines fight or flight, right? So it's it's like, uh, I mean, you could you, you have people walking around the world today. You you could there's about eight or nine symptoms that happen when this thing gets stuck up, and uh, it is a broken leg you can't see, right? So what makes it different than other therapies and modalities 
is uh, it's the difference between a broken leg and physical therapy. All these things that you were talking about earlier, you know, from, you know, I mean, from uh, psilocybin to ketamine to hyperbaric, these are incredible therapies that work, that remediate uh, the body um, and uh, some of them, the nervous system, but they're therapies. This is not out of the box in the sense that it's fundamentally the broken leg that is the reason behind so many of not only the mental, but physical ills we see in the general population today. You know, you, you know what I mean by that? Like it's out of the box, but you no, know, I believe that Dr. Lipov, what he found here uh, is probably the most important uh, medical innovation science, uh, since the discovery of penicillin in 1928, and probably the most important uh, human innovation since the moon landing, okay? And I can justify why I feel that way. So it's not just another modality. The reason that it's not in the mainstream society is because the military's used it. They've studied the crap out of it. Obama endorsed it, I think, back in 2008. Uh, but whenever you see it on Rogan or on 60 Minutes or, or on The Doctor Show or on CBS, it's always associated with the extreme. So people go, well, you know, I haven't been, I'm not a Navy SEAL. I'm not, I wasn't a 9-11 first responder. So they don't, they don't, they don't, they just think it's somebody over there. What we've tried to do, what we've done with this book is to show you, is to bring it into the living room. A kindergarten teacher, a yoga instructor, a plumber, a CEO, an electrician, accountant. Um, we're, we're bringing it to the, we're showing it how you were saying earlier, Sean, how it's everybody. Anybody that's had a, a carried allostatic load. I'd love for it to hear the doctor talk about, you know, has COVID increased the amount of people in our society that have this? Is COVID stressful enough and is, is living in the modern world stressful enough, uh, Doc, that that would cause people's sympathetic nervous systems to get stuck in fight or flight? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. So a couple of interesting answers to that. One is COVID itself poses sympathetic storm, meaning COVID virus activates sympathetic nerves. So that by itself, COVID, just having COVID can actually give you PTSD, which is interesting. Or the term I prefer, and I think Jamie refers as PTSI, post-traumatic stress injury. Uh, isolation is a terrible thing for human beings. We're not built for that. That's why, you know, when during COVID, my wife and I had tons of Zoom dinners. But it's still not the same thing. So you need human touch. You need this. You need that. Fear of death is another great way to get PTSD, PTSI. And certainly we were all worried about it. We, you know, it's like I, I you know, I, I'm relatively intelligent, relatively well trained, but you know, I, I was there spraying away the cardboard boxes, making sure I didn't COVID from that. And, you know, it's like I, I poured a bunch of alcohol on my letters and then I you hey, you eat one. So the bottom line is, you know, fear of death, fear of infection, fear of killing my wife, actually, because I, I would think I would pretty much survive, but she's asthmatic, so I think she was going to make it. Uh, so the bottom line is, I think COVID made it much worse. The insecurity, the fear, plus you don't know what's going to happen to your job. You don't know what's going to happen to society. You don't know, you know, there's, there's also political instability. All that is terrible for human beings. And, you know, frankly, social media, Frank, you know, if you read enough of it, you can freak yourself out. You can be in your own thing if you want to. You can find very easily just 
doomsday every day if you choose to do that and then yeah. also since you're afraid like saying stay tuned one more stay tuned one more and then that affects the sleep the sleep lack of sleep activates your sympathetic system so if you have that and baseline and now you know there's always you've heard of people dying if, you know like one of our friends was in icu for a long time all of that i think creates this instead of being at five percent of whatever the unit now you're at 50 percent over activation and just one more thing is is very scary and that oil is going up in price now there's a war i mean it's like yeah endless so i, I think it created I, I really think the numbers once we look when everything is over and settled i bet you it increased ptsd ptsi rate almost twofold i think yeah, I, I think it's just horrible it was done to glow. This episode is brought to you by BioPro Plus, the non-synthetic HGH alternative that works so incredibly well. And I'm going to talk to you about how I use it and why I love it. And then I'll tell you some of the details about what it is and how it works. Number one, I do not exaggerate when I tell you that BioPro Plus is the most effective supplement I've ever taken to enhance vitality. So that's energy, metabolism, that is sleep, that is libido. All of those things have been enhanced since I've been taking it. And so many of my coaching clients and you listeners can attest to that. It's super simple. It's literally the first thing I do in the morning. After I wake up and use the bathroom, I unscrew the cap to a little tiny vial of the liquid, and then I just pour it underneath my tongue, and that's how I start my day. I can usually start to feel it after about 30, 45 minutes. BioPro Plus is the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful, expensive, and invasive anti-aging and hormone treatments. Before you do TRT, before you start taking a bunch of herbs that may not make you feel the way that you want to feel, you should try this. Go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP to get $30 off. You know, you know that a sponsor is a hit when people who have purchased it reach out to me and say, holy cow, Sean, I tried this and it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. It makes me better at everything that I do. I love having sponsors like this that really make a difference in people's lives. And this product is, it's absolutely incredible. It's growth factors, and amino acids that will help you improve your hormones, become better at everything that you want to do. So go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. We know the mental health struggles. We know we know that alcoholism went up, abuse went up. We I have a fourth grader and we know that fourth graders specifically are, you know, some, they're like two years behind now because of the, right. the time, at which, so there's, there's all these ripple effects. And, and I, I tend to look at COVID differently uh, uh, than I think a lot of people do, but we don't need to make this into a conspiracy theories podcast. That's, and that's for another episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what, Sean, you know, we can even allude, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, we could even allude to something that you said earlier that I thought was uh, really profound, which is just, you know, the digital information that we're hit yeah. with. Why don't we, well, why don't we, we can even back that up even more. What if you think about like 300 years ago, all over the world, we were still an agrarian culture and we have 50,000 years of human biology that, that, that led to that. Then somehow in the last 300 years with the first industrial revolution, the second industrial revolution, we find ourselves living in a synthetic box where we get in a car and get 
enrolled in another synthetic box to a place where we work in a synthetic yeah. box, the nature mitigates the, the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight system. We're not designed to live in artificial environments. I right. believe that just the actual fact of living in an artificial environment with the overload of the constant stimulation, that, that alone could, uh, I have observed, bring people into a permanent state of fight or flight. And the thing yeah. is, and this is why it's not out of the box, it's the fundamental switch of, 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 of uh, and I, we should get into the symptoms next, of fight or flight in the body. So and, Jay, uh, yeah, I, I gotta hear his uh, theory. Yeah. His, you know, I, I'd like to see how the okay, okay. globe is taking <laughs> us over. Come on, I, I gotta hear about the chips in the brain. <laughs> Well, I mean, we were this, this is gonna, I don't want to derail. I don't want to derail. Uh, I just for, for context, I'm bringing, um, I'm bringing in a, a, a person in next week to refute, uh, uh, the, the, the virus theory overall that viruses may not exist and that viruses have never been isolated using the scientific method and that this is something else and the survival rate uh of 98.8 percent etc the five comorbidities the the suppression of alternative uh and effective therapeutics like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and z-pack to treat so regardless of regardless of all of that the fact is is that people are freaked out and they're staying freaked out you know, I want to go back to I want to go back to something that 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 you said, Jamie, which is you know you, you kind of referred back to some other podcast episodes that I've done. You know, hyperbaric and uh, you know ketamine and psilocybin as as ways to to treat the mind and to help. Well, you're not treating the mind; you're treating the biology. The well, fundamental. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll be, all right. I'll be quiet. So, so, so as as treatments, as things you one can do. Therapeutic interventions. How's that? Yes. Perfect. So is this a cure, right? Are, are you- Let me give you an answer to that. So let, yeah. let me take that one. Yeah. So first of all, there's only one cure for PTSD and that's being dead. There's right. no permanent cures. There, there's no permanent cure. Well, there's no such thing as PTSD, but but if there fair, was- Fair enough. I, 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 I did say PTSD, PTSD, but you know- which we, Yeah, which we should explain. So if, we'll stick to PTSD rest of the show, if you don't mind. Well, the fundamental, the, let me just intro your, your answer. The fundamental thing, way in which Dr. Lipoff and I are showing up for this interview is both of us, I mean, I can, you know, he can tell me if he doesn't agree with me, but I would say both of us 100% believe that uh, trauma is 100% is biological and 99% of, you know, what we would call mental health or psychological disorders are biological and now complete and most of them now remediatable without um, long-term side effects. Okay. Most uh, 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 there's no such thing as mental illness. Okay. It is a lie and it's a very dangerous lie because it's highly stigmatizing. Say you had a, like Dr. Jamie, Lebon, if you yeah. don't mind, Jamie, let, let, let's not go there. I well, think well, okay, we okay. well here, but so hold on. So let, let me just tell you my perspective. There is emotional trauma. That I understand. Schizophrenia is a real condition, but that gets very sticky how to explain all that. So let's just stick to emotional trauma causing PTSD. Can we agree on that? 
The sure. rest of it gets very sticky. Well, he doesn't know what PTSI is yet. We haven't explained it three we, times. We, we, yeah, yeah we, haven't really, we haven't flushed it out for the audience, probably. But let's keep let's keep moving because I don't want to okay. get hung up yeah. on some. So the, okay. the bottom line is, so so okay, PTSD. Whatever we'll use the term PTSD, PTSI. So when somebody has trauma, either a lot of little traumas or a big trauma, as I was saying, sympathetic system is overactivated and gets stuck in the position. What I mean by that gets stuck is extra nerve fibers actually grow inside the brain and have been shown in the rat model. So. When that happens, each one of those fibers produces norepinephrine. Norepinephrine has been shown if you take CSF or fluid around the brain, people with PTSD will have increased norepinephrine. It's not debatable. No question, it exists. That's true. It's a biological fact. As long as that persists, people have PTSD, PTSI. So it turns out in order to maintain those extra nerve fibers, you need something called NGF, nerve growth factor. That's what makes them grow originally. They happen to hang out in stellar ganglia in the neck and superior cervical ganglia in the neck as well. So when you put long anesthetic, it does two things. Number one, it drops down norepinephrine levels in about five, 10 minutes. Hmm. Two, it reverses those extra nerve growth. So instead of eight, now it goes down to four. So it could last a long time. So the question is how long does this procedure last and what are the factors that can make it last longer or shorter, right? Basic question. Three and three questions. Number one, genetics. It depends what kind of sympathetic fight and flight system you have hmm. and what kind of an epigenetic change did you get from your parents because that could, PTSD is inheritable, unfortunately. So that's one. Number two, it depends what you do after the procedure. Do you do psychotherapy? Do you do aquatherapy? Do you have appropriate trauma-informed therapeutics? Do you spend time with nature? Do you meditate? Do you do all of that? And number three, what happens? I've had a number of people who are doing great for years. And when, you know, one policeman was attacked, he had to shoot a suspect on the street. He had to come back and see me. So it brings you back. Mm. And, you know, the number of the other questions people very commonly, especially in special forces, ask, am I going to become a noodle? Am I going to have not being able to get going when I need to get going? And if you're a special forces active duty, if you don't get going, you're not going to make it home, right? Mm. So what we find is a lot of people going and serving frenetic, being really piped up, they're much laser focused. So sympathetic is rebooted to the sense to a appropriate response phase, not being overactive, but it's certainly there. But if you push it again, it's going to come back. Interesting. Yeah, I will bring it back to what I said, which is that the majority of what we think of as mental illness as a disorder, which is this amorphous thing that you can't really put your fingers on, okay? There's no scientific blood test you can do for a disorder. Uh, but the, the majority of what people are experiencing in the world when they're experiencing anxiety, reactivity, hypervigilance, hypoarousal, paranoia, sense of doom, these are the, the symptoms of an overactive sympathetic, um, is they're experiencing a combination of um, their sympathetic nervous system being stuck in fight or flight, which can now be remediated. And then it's exacerbated by either traumatic brain injury or brain toxicity, right? Uh, the work of Daniel Amen, he's had done amazing work on remediating uh, brain toxicity and, uh, and TBI with all sorts of the therapeutics we were talking about earlier from hyperbaric to ketamine to supplements. So your brain can be remediated. And, um, 
And now with that, but what's, but that the brain remediation can take six months to a year. Dr. Lipoff with this innovation, which I think, which uh, when I first met Daniel Amen told me that it was a Nobel prize winning innovation. Um, uh, Dr. Lipoff, he, he, there's certain things I can say as an artist that he can't say as a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Good. Okay. So I'm yeah. giving my, uh, my opinion and what I've seen. I have a degree in economics. I'm pretty good at analyzing data and I'm an artist. Um, he could reset the sympathetic nervous system in 15 to 20 minutes a day in a simple, safe outpatient procedure over two to one to two days. The amount of change that one experiences from resetting fight or flight in the body is the most basic and profound aspect of how we move through the world. Um, the two most powerful kind of, um, and so you will, you will, you, so you, what you would get in over one or two days of seeing Dr. Lipoff going to the Stella Center, which uses his protocols where he's the chief medical officer. Um, there's nothing else that exists on earth that is as close to transformational or that can give someone that much boost mm. in such a short period of time. And so it's something that people should always do first because you know mm. a lot of times people fall short because it takes six months to get something out of this therapeutic or that therapeutic. The, um, like you reset the sympathetic nervous system, the edge you're gonna have to then follow through with the other um, incredible therapies out there yeah. is phenomenal. And it's, you know, it's yeah. interesting, I've done this and that's how I came to uh, Dr. Lipov and I almost backed out of it. Uh, there's a guy that works with Amen named uh, Dr. John Faber, who's one of the world's leading forensic psychiatrists and he vetted it for me. And uh, there was uh, and and kind of gave me a way to establish it. But uh, Dr. Uh, Shauna Springer, who's a military psychologist, well now she's the chief psychologist at the Stella Center. She was the one that had told me about it, and I almost backed out because I didn't. Um, I I don't know. There was stigma issues, sure, all sorts of issues. It was just kind of like I was feeling too broken. And and one of the things she said to me was, Jamie. Uh, Olympic athletes do this. I, you know, if they a ski, you know, Lindsey Vaughn gets into a ski accident at 60 miles an hour, or someone like her, the reaction time slows. They go see Dr. Lipov. They do this reset over one to two days, and the reaction time goes back to normal. It's fundamental to the human experience more than almost anything that you can ex that you can yeah. speak about. Appreciate the significance of having a um, having a procedure that amplifies the other work that you're doing. You know, if, if, uh, if you are going to do gestalt therapy or you're going to do ketamine or you're going to meditate for goodness sakes or float in, in a float, uh, you know, you're going to float three days a week, having this as a starting point, uh, obviously is valuable. There's two things that I wanted to kind of push one, one is, one is to clarify and another is to kind of push back a little bit, Jamie. And, and sure. with all, this is, you know, with all due respect and in the, in the heart of good discussion, the, the one, the one issue that I kind of take with like, this works, this is all biological. This is all nerve endings. I, I, sometimes I recoil a little bit, um, just because of the, the, the tone of sort of, materialist reductionist idea that it's just nerves that it has nothing well, I, I didn't I didn't hang on hang on hang on okay and so and 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 so when I when I think about the human experience when I think about um spirituality and personal growth when I think about trauma I think about things that 
can't be measured by the tools that we have. I think about uh, I think about states of consciousness that are non neurochemical. I think about how we see ourselves. I think about love and not through oxytocin, but just through love. And so when, when I hear, and, and I, obviously I understand the significance of, of, of the measurable effect of this, but that's the one thing that makes me just a little push back a little well, bit. Well, let me take that first, Jamie, and then you, you can put the artist's touch to it. Yeah, I definitely so want to hear from both of you. Let me give you an example and you tell me how you see the world. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm cognizant of that. I mean, I, I, I love, I had out of body experience when I was 22 and was hit by a boat. So I understand some of the stuff, but no matter if you have to achieve transcendence, if your brain is not working right, you're not going to achieve transcendence. If you're losing, if you have a stroke, it doesn't matter about transcendence to me. Keep in mind, I, I, I live in the biological world, right? But here, here's a cool example. So if you look at dogs, right? So military dogs in the United States had 25% of them came back from Iraq with what they call VPTSD, veterinary PTSD. So there was a, there was a um, movie made called Max mm. about, though I don't know if you've seen it. I've I think, heard of it. Yeah, anyway, your kid may love watching it. It's basically based on a dog that came back from Iraq. His handler was killed, blah, 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 whatever. He develops PTSD, which is his symptoms were difficulty sleeping, being aggressive, change in behavior. Those are three symptoms. I took a dog that had those symptoms. So that dog ran away, got stuck under a truck, and got burned. So he was caught under a truck and got burned for an hour. So he was a well-mannered, wonderful dog. And I can say in my YouTube video that if you want to see it, he came back, I did a stellate on him, and his symptoms went away. Now, I don't know about dogs and transcendence. I don't know about love and dogs. I don't know any of that, right? I don't understand that part. Maybe it's there, maybe it's not. But my point is, that to me is the best biologically back up statement when sure. animal can do the same thing and jamie is going to give you a name of the book which is kind of similar talk about but if you look at any animal by the way you know how original ptsd work has been done on rats have you ever heard that story no you know how they how you induce ptsd in a rat rat doesn't like two things rat needs its whiskers to be able to feel around also it really doesn't like being drowned too well so what they would do, and there's a whole name for this method, where they cut off the whiskers, they tie them to a plank and waterboard them almost to death. After that, they come out very shaky. And there was one article out of South Korea in 1973 where they did stellates for those rats. And the way you can tell when somebody has PTSD or who doesn't, which rat, the one with severe PTSD, you put them in a bin of water and they just drown. The ones who don't swim. After they have the stellate, they start swimming. Wow. Okay. So there you go. That, that's my yeah, position. Okay. Yeah, I no, would I... like to, I want to respond now. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay, first of all, Sean, let me say that like, I love the dialectic. I want you to push back. I want you to challenge me. I want you to try to find a hole in what I'm saying. That's the whole point of this conversation. I wish there were more interviews where somebody would push back. 
Okay. So first of all, there's, I want to start off where we agree. Okay. I, I believe that, you know, love and trauma are the two most binding forces of the human condition. They can drive us to become a CEO or a pop star or to addiction and suicide and despair. They're both very powerful, the light and the dark, and the most, again, the most binding two forces of the human condition. I'm an artist. I use my imagination all day and every day. I'm woo. I use visualization all day and every day. So you can't be more woo than me because I make something out of nothing. I don't really know where it comes from. I've been doing it for 25 years. So like, and, and the more, the better I get at it, the more mysterious it becomes to me. And the, it's almost a religion. Okay. Yeah. So I want you to know when I'm saying these things, I'm saying this from the perspective of a highly woo person. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But, you know, back to your thing, I believe that at least 90% of what we experience at the extremes in terms of what we would call a mental disorder or a psychological disorder is biological. And it's not just nerves. It's a combination of uh, an overactive sympathetic nervous system, which is the majority of what it is. And then uh, brain toxicity, which is caused by drugs and alcohol um, or other substances or all sorts of things or, or, or traumatic brain injury. And that is the deadly teeter totter. And it's so important that I push back and I make this argument uh, because the majority of people that are walking around on psychotropics where they create a problem to solve a problem, as Daniel Amen would say, where they're masking something, where there's no science, real science behind how and why this stuff works. You can see why Dr. Lipov's procedure worked. You can see how it works on a brain scan. Somebody has all the symptoms of an overactive sympathetic, which I want to get into more later. Uh, you do this on uh, them over two days. You scan the user functional MRI in their brain. You're going to see overactivity in their amygdala. You do this on them over two days, uh, and then you, sc you scan their brain with an fMRI less than 10 hours later, you're going to see a massively reduced uh, over, uh, activity in their, in their amygdala. Uh, the, the most profound example that I could give that I think you'd have a hard time disagreeing with me, but I want people that don't uh, associate with trauma to really listen to what I'm saying right now, okay, is there's a guy named Frank Ockberg, who's a close friend of Eugene's. He's one of the most uh, famous psychiatrists of the last 50 years. And for many years, he was at odds with the APA. He was the guy in the 1970s that defined Stockholm syndrome for the FBI. And in 2012, he came up with the term post-traumatic stress injury and has been lobbying since then to replace PTSD with PTSI, uh, post-traumatic stress injury. It's not a disorder. So before I give my argument, I want to say one thing. If I'm right, and people don't have um, this kind of amorphous disorder, which you can't see, that's not real science, okay? And they're being told they have it. I can't think of something more stigmatizing, inhumane, and uh, corrupt. It's horrible because you're, you have a biological injury. What if you had a broken leg, Sean? And I was like, and Eugene, uh, Dr. Lipov gives this example all the time. And I'm like, yeah, you know, get over it, Sean. You have broken leg disorder. Get over it. How much are you going to get over? How much are you going to be feeling better about your broken leg? Are you going right. to be doing better in the world? Okay, so the best example that I would give, and I would love your response to this, is in 1970, so over 50 years ago, Dr. Ockberg, uh, again, who coined the term post-traumatic stress injury in 2012, um, he wrote a book uh, called, with a bunch of Stanford scientists called um, Violence and the Struggle for Existence. That book came out 
two years after Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated and Coretta Scott King, Martin, uh, Martin Luther King's wife did the forward to that book. There's a chapter in that book called Biology and Aggression, okay? And in and the, what, what these are scientists are saying in that book is, we, this is 50 years ago, over 50 years ago, we 100% know that trauma is biological. And here's why. If you beat and traumatize a goat, a chicken, an alligator, a turkey, a cat, if you, be, if you traumatize an animal, okay, you beat an animal, um, when you're done, it's going to act different from here on out until it dies. It's either going to be highly aggressive or highly timid. Okay, you didn't give that uh, goat a mental disorder. Hmm. We, because the, the symptoms are identical in animals, we know they were saying this 50 over 50 years ago. I mean, the book came out 50 years ago. So how long have they been saying it? We know 100 percent we've changed the biology of that animal. So what I'm talking about is the, the extremes. I don't think we disagree. I think that there's yeah. massive room for spirituality in the human condition. Like there's a that that, that exists. It's huge. Um, but when we're talking about extremes, there's a uh, when, when we're talking about what these special forces guys get. There's a term that what they get when they're deployed too long, even if they're never in a firefight, called operator syndrome. Yeah. We, you know, we're a survival species. We if we if we have to respond, we have to respond uniformly to trauma or we wouldn't survive. Right. So we either have to kill the tiger or flee the tiger or we die. Yeah. So if we all react differently because we have this amorphous disorder, how does the species survive? Mm. So operator syndrome, which is something the special forces guys get uh, when they're deployed too long, even if they're never in a firefight, I think probably 50 percent of the U.S. population has. And it's a combination of TBI, brain toxicity, or what I think it's predominantly represents um, is an overactive sympathetic nervous system. So let's talk about those symptoms. And then I'd love, and then there's a whole array of uh, medical and orthopedic problems that stem from this. And Dr. Lipov can explain to you why, if you have these eight symptoms of operator syndrome, why would this create autoimmune disease? Why would this create cancer? And he could explain that to you, yeah. right? But well, let's talk about the symptoms, okay? Well, hang on. I, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. And the thing yeah. is, I think it's more than half. I think it's okay. I think it's more than half. And I, unfortunately, I think it's getting younger and younger. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, right? I think I think TikTok can be traumatic. You know, I think exposure to pornography uh, is traumatic, you know, and it, and it, and it changes... Uh, changes little brains, you know. Uh, so I, I, I totally agree. And preteen suicide directly correlates with Instagram, you know, uh, social media going onto phones, right? Why? Because these little girls, mostly little girls, they're comparing themselves. Yeah, that comparison is not at that age is not a pressure that we have biologically are able to to handle at that age. It creates a tremendous amount of stress. It overactivates the sympathetic, right? Yeah. Um, but to, you know the symptoms. Let's talk about what the symptoms of an overactive sympathetic are. They're all what you would do, Peter Levine's work, if you were running from a. Hang on, hang on, hang on yeah. one second there, Jamie, because I because I do kind of want to go back to to the sure. question that I asked a minute ago, which is sure. is this a cure? And and I don't mean for life. Maybe it is. It sounds like it happens quickly. Uh, and you you know you you mentioned uh, Eugene that that if someone has something else that occurs as part of their job or some other sort of trauma 
uh, they may have to come back and do it again. But did, did, would you categorize, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it. Probably, no, I don't think you are. I think it's a great question. Do you think it's a cure? No. Well, I remember how we started it. There's only one cure for PTSD. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's, there's no other. Okay. Because, yeah. you know, it, it's, we, we're, we have a dynamic system. It responds to, it monitors our external environment and trying to keep us alive. It'll do it until the last moment, right? So to say it's a cure, I think there's no such thing as a cure with anything. You it's, can cure an infection, right? You can sure. cure a broken bone, but it's a highly complex neurological system that's yeah. flexible.